Blog Talk Radio. Good morning and thank you for joining us today for Live Dharma Sunday. Please note that if you have called in to listen to today's broadcast, that all lines have been placed on mute to avoid background interference. If you are listening from any of our Bright Dawn sites, note that it is not necessary to call in. You may have to wait a second or two for the loading and buffering process to complete, but if there is still no audio, please refresh your page. For more information about Bright Dawn and its activities and links to our social media sites, please visit brightdawn.org. Once again, thank you for listening to Live Dharma Sunday and enjoy the talk. Welcome everyone to the Live Dharma Sunday for March 15th, 2020. Koyo Kubose here. So very, very glad you joined us. Oh boy, don't we live in interesting times, as they say. The whole world is being reminded in a very direct, impactful way of interdependency and impermanence. Uh, <clears throat> these are the two major teachings in Buddhism and Eastern philosophy. You know, <clears throat> we say two teachings, but it's two. Teaching <laughs> is reality. Okay? Interdependency covers all the causes and conditions, ways that we affect one another directly, indirectly. It's huge. Impermanence means we could look at it from several different angles. The angle I'm looking at it from right now is the dynamic change that, that occurs. Things don't stay the same. Things are not static. Okay. Uh, and so both of these teachings, if we really take them to heart uh, and see how they really directly impact us and everybody on the planet, uh, <clears throat> this is this is reality. This is or this is nature. Okay, the nature of reality and. <clears throat> Interdependency means uh, it could be expressed in many ways, but clearly COVID-19 affects the whole world. And what happens in one place is going to affect the whole planet in some fashion. You cannot isolate yourself, your country, your town. You try to do but it's going to affect, and also in a positive way, the world has to work together. 
because of the nature of reality in terms of what affects one affects all. Okay, you cannot. Uh, there was a I don't remember who said this, but we're all in the same boat. And if you see one person uh, who let's say it's a wooden boat, this is just hypothetical, and he's starting to dig down in the wooden floor underneath his seat. And the captain says, hey, hey, what are you doing? He goes, well, I'm just, I feel like digging a hole here. You can't do that because then the whole boat's going to sink. He goes, what do you mean I can't do it? This is my seat. Okay. This is my, my, I control this area. This is mine. He says, hey, you can't say mine. What you do affects the whole, you know. Uh, so, in a lot of ways, sometimes we look at short-term, long-term. Okay? Everybody trying to look out for number one and all this. But, and in the same way, uh, impermanence, constant change. We see this happening all the time. Okay? Uh, you cannot say, okay, well, yeah, we figured this out. We We took care of it. Whoa, well, things change. You got to, you got to, the dynamic flow of reality, you better flow too. And this is what we might call takkan, Japanese word. Uh, takkan, T-A-K-K-A-N. Yeah, usual translation is wide perspective. Wide in the sense of philosophical, a broader view of things. And this is what interdependency and impermanence, this is what wide perspective consists of, interdependency and inner impermanence, okay? And if we don't have this kind of perspective and we have a narrow perspective, uh, th things are not gonna go good, okay? We're setting ourselves up for failure. But uh, sometimes, <laughs> I always mention when I talk about interdependency and impermanence, both of these words start with the letter I. So I say, I do a play on words and I say, these are the two I's that Buddhists look out at the world. We say Buddhists, but human beings okay, is it, basic. Okay. And there are different situations that bring this to the fore more than others in terms of the impact. And right now, when we see a crisis type of a situation that we have to deal with, okay, uh, forces takkan upon us. Okay. But we should be aware of takkan in everyday life situations too. In order to, why? Why? Well, the really spiritual, uh, we might say spiritual virtues, uh, what's the purpose of human life? How, how should be, what's, what's, what's the priorities? Okay. Now, a spiritual life, I would say, personal growth, has two virtues. By virtues, I mean desirable personal qualities, okay? And for, for we human beings, humility 
in gratitude. This is the result of genuine takkan. When you do see the impact of interdependency and impermanence, you can't become arrogant like you you stand alone or, you know, only I can take care of this, okay? You, you, there's just a natural humility, okay? Not a, not a forced one or a or fakey one or whatever, huh? Uh, and the gratitude, whoa. Uh, and to the extent that those two virtues of humility and gratitude, okay, that are the natural result of takkan, of personalizing the two eyes. Wow, I see. I see. And uh, (laughs) anyway, that's where some of my thoughts this morning. I want to introduce today's guest to give us a Dharma glimpse, Alex Cacquio. He lives in Ohio, and he was part of our LM10 group. And let's hear from Alex Cacquio. Hello. The title of today's Dharma glimpse is Mindful Social Media. Social networking sites are becoming an integral part of our daily lives. In the beginning, they were strictly for entertainment. However, in recent years, they've become a marketing platform for big business, a way for politicians to reach voters, and the primary form of communication for family and friends. All of this is fine in and of itself. After all, radio and television were equally disruptive in their early days, but we all turned out fine. That being said, there is a downside. As our lives become increasingly engulfed by Facebook groups and Twitter pages, we can lose sight of reality. In fact, heavy social media usage has been linked to depression, resulting from participants feeling unpopular or unsuccessful due to the posts that they see online. More than that, the feeling of isolation can occur as people look to the internet for validation and close relationships that would normally come from family members and coworkers. As a result, we must be very careful in how we use these technologies, ensuring that they become a tool for our benefit and not a reason for existence. Mindfulness can help us do this by revealing our motivations for posting online and helping us see when things are getting out of hand. The following guidelines are methods I use in my personal life to mindfully use social media. 1. Log out when you're finished. Many social networking sites use cookies in order to track our usage. This allows them to show us ads that they think we'll like and change our timeline in ways that they think we'll enjoy. For example, someone who watches a lot of cat videos on YouTube will see recommendations for other cat videos. Additionally, cookies make it so we don't have to log in every time we want to visit a site. In fact, if we use them regularly from the same devices, Some social networking sites will allow users to go weeks or even months without verifying their password. Of course, this is very convenient, but it causes us to be extremely mindless in our usage. If we don't need to log in or out of a site, then we never have to question why we're using it. 
Instead, we just open it up whenever we have a free moment, turning our back on the real world in favor of the virtual one. In order to counteract this, we must log out of social networking sites as soon as we're done browsing. The extra time it takes for us to log back in later will give us a necessary pause so we can investigate why we want to use the site. Second, ask yourself why. Before we log into a social networking site, it's important to investigate the feelings that brought us there. Do we have a specific task that we're trying to accomplish, like sending out a birthday invite? Or are we trying to escape feelings of insecurity or boredom? If our answer leans more towards the latter, it may be helpful to simply sit with those emotions and allow ourselves to process them without distraction. Also, we must investigate our feelings prior to posting something on the internet, asking ourselves why we're doing it. For example, if we're feeling angry, our first inclination may be to post a hurtful message. However, anger is listed as one of the three poisons in Buddhism for a reason. And any post that's rooted in anger is guaranteed to cause suffering for ourselves and others. If we find that our post is rooted in greed, anger, or ignorance, then it may be a good idea not to post it. Or if the post stems from feelings of sadness or grief, turning to our real-world counterparts, family, friends, therapists, etc., may be more helpful in terms of working through our pain. Third, don't get caught up in the illusion. The Buddhist sutras warn us about the dangers of getting caught up in the phenomenal world. And nowhere is this more apparent than on the internet. Advertisements are designed to stimulate us in just the right way to make us buy. And social media influencers present unrealistic versions of life that tell us that we're only one diet, vacation, or makeup tutorial from perfection. All of this works to stimulate the mind of desire, which is the root of all suffering. To counteract this, we must engage with social media in the same way that we engage with cartoons. We can watch what people post and enjoy what we're seeing, but we must be careful to not take any of it seriously. Fourth, get physical. In terms of communication or life experiences, social media should be our last resort. It's great to look at pictures of a beautiful hiking trail, but it's better for both our bodies and our spirit if we go out and hike the trail ourselves. Similarly, there's nothing wrong with speaking to friends or loved ones via social media, but embodied communication is much better. That is to say, a phone call is much better than a text message or wall post, and an in-person visit is even better than that. Sure. Posting pictures of our vacation online is a good way to get the word out, but inviting our friends over so that we can share those pictures in person allows us for a more embodied experience and leads to stronger relationships. When it comes to communication, the more physical we can get, the better. Social media is here to stay, whether we like it or not. And while some people have been successful in simply unplugging from this medium, Many of us have job requirements and social pressures that require us to be online. As a result, we must work hard to find ways to be mindful and not mindless in how we use these mediums. If we force ourselves to log out after each session, investigate our feelings as we browse our timelines, and remember to interact with the world in a physical way, 
then social media can be a tool that enriches our lives. May this Dharma glimpse be a benefit to all sentient beings. Thank you. Well, uh, really, uh, current events, the um, technology, modern technology uh, impact on everyday living. And uh, we have to constantly see how the, the the specifics, the details of Takkan apply huh? to 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 our experience, not just an abstract idea. And um, uh, and then that's just the beginning. Okay. Uh, after we are more aware of these things, well. We have to uh, have skillful means. Hmm? You know, when we have uh, uh, tools in our tool bag about how to handle things, it's, it's a double-edged sword, <laughs> uh, as they say. And tools sometimes become our masters. Tools start to dominate how we do things. And maybe and uh, they they personal example I always have is that while you give a child a hammer and he thinks everything's a nail, uh, and so when modern technology provides us with tremendously helpful tools, we might become we might become uh, victimized by that. I think modern technology, social media. Is that kind of thing? Okay. Uh, so it's a matter of balance. It's a matter of mindfulness. Okay. Uh, and it's a and it's a matter of not forgetting what's truly important. Just because we have to deal with what we consider merely urgent matters, we lose perspective. We lose a sense of our priorities. And I want to close with a a quote that my father used a lot, and it's an interesting quote. He and uh, Dr. Preston Bradley, who was a minister at the People's Church on the north side of Chicago, he was very influential, a big church, and he was uh, uh, at different media outlets for his sermons and so forth. And they changed the exchange pulpit, uh, guest messages, guest speaking, because they they were about only three, four blocks away from the Buddhist temple of Chicago on the north side of Chicago. And so they were good friends. And they both had a favorite quote. And the quote was, sufficiency, not efficiency. Now, let me unpack what they meant by this, okay? In, uh, it's particularly an illustration of the uh, priority values, okay? clarification of our values and not forgetting what's truly important just because we have to deal with the merely urgent. 
that means don't be harmful in the name of efficiency. This is a tremendous teaching. Okay? Don't forget the person instead of just, oh, we got to take care of this task. Huh? And you hurt people in the name of reaching a particular goal. This is so common, so easy to slip into. We, have, we are so victimized by our enslavement to efficiency. Maybe this could be related to all kinds of historical context, a Protestant ethic or whatever it is. Be productive. Be efficient. Don't waste time. Huh? And uh, in the name of pursuing a particular goal, okay, you use means that, well, what, what we say is the end justifies the means. No, no, no. Or a strong statement would be when one of my father's quotes was, means equals end. And that's a, a strong statement. But, uh, the how is just as important as the what. Sufficiency is a kind of strange word, odd word. Okay. Uh, but within that word, it means humanistic concerns. There are a lot of ways to do a task. And sometimes the person in charge says, my way or the highway, or, hey, that's not the right way to do it. People are different. Uh, people approach a task differently. Okay. Uh, so it involves a lot of, uh, well, you might call respect, tolerance, nurturance, encouragement. Okay. Uh, and really a strong sense of priority, human values. Um, you can get the, the job could get done. Okay. Uh, you, and uh, I always remember whenever we traveled with my parents in some kind of a family thing or something, and, and these kind of uh, vacations, traveling or whatever, things don't always go the way you expected. Things happen, okay, on any kind of trip, let's say. And they were so, in a way, I won't say nonchalant, but easygoing, okay. And sometimes we young members of the family get a little frustrated because we say we start worrying about. Oh, we got to take, hey, this came up. We got to take care of this. Oh, we'd be better reschedule this. We better do this, that. And uh, don't you realize what's going on? Or, uh, hey, that's not, that's, that's not. <laughs> uh, but, Takan, wide perspective, you know, everything works out in the end. It does. Okay. And we enjoy the journey. Huh? Uh, and that's really true in our family, personal experience of how we went on a family trip. Okay. And uh, so sufficiency, not efficiency. That's all for today's broadcast. Till next time.
keep going and you have a beautiful day.